1600 KIVA, BQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. I'm Eddie Aragon, The Rock of Talk with me, Dr. William Summers. Life Imagined Radio here for a wonderful Saturday afternoon right here in the Kiva. Dr. Summers has been doing the show approaching four years now, and this is the show for Saturday, the 20th of November. We are not live. Do not call in. We do want you to text in, however, 505-550-5500. That's 550-5500 with Dr. Summers. Good morning, Dr. Summers. How are you? I am excellent, better than good. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Every day gets better. My gosh. Hey, Eddie. Yes. Yesterday, Friday, yeah. Joe Biden got a physical. I know. They finally found a doctor who was blind, deaf, and dumb uh, <laughs> to certify that Joe Biden's in good health. Yeah, well, he is not in great health. I'm, I certainly hope that he bounces back because with an approval rating of you know, Kamala Harris at 26%, uh, no one is confident that she can run the country. So uh, Godspeed to uh, Joe Biden. However, hor- may he continue on his horrible, uh, untriumphant run towards 2024. This is a, an election that uh, not only we can win, we're going to win. We must win if we're going to remain a nation that can be called America and we can have an American flag that we can wave. We've got to win this thing. We need to mobilize now, everybody. It uh, starts since now. Dr. Summers even walked in. He's like, so the road to 2025, how's that going already? He's already on me and uh, asking me about my next campaign uh, we've got to be prepared every single day, and we're fighting back. We'll, of course, have our COVID-19 update, Dr. Summers, but we always like to kick off the show with uh, quotes and quips. Uh, stay tuned for climate change, health hacks, and history you're not supposed to know. And as always, uh, we'll take your text uh, directly, 550-5500. Dr. Summers, uh, let's kick it off. Yeah, I look at uh, Pelosi and Schumer on a Biden, and they're doing the happy monkey dance over passing this outrageous uh, bill. And uh, I, you know, I just wonder whether the world is being run by smart people putting this on, Eddie, or is the world being run by demented imbeciles who really mean it? Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's taken directly from Mark Twain. I wonder whether the world is being run by smart people who are putting this on are by demented imbeciles who really mean it. And the word that comes to mind is an old Missouri word that I heard as a youth. It's chicanery. Are you familiar with that word? Uh, yeah, like tomfoolery, like uh, uh, messing around, Deception, right? deception, yeah. chicanery, fooling people to get take advantage of them. And to me, this bill that just passed is chicanery. And I want to quote, because this is relevant to these days, Adolf Hitler you know, you got to study these guys who brought the world to the brink of disaster yep. because they openly would tell you what they were all about. And Adolf Hitler, Hitler once said, let me control the textbooks and I will control the country. Are you sure that wasn't Joe Biden or maybe the uh, you know CRT uh, endeavors that are going on right now? We- that's exactly what's going on. And actually, you can trace that thought process to Alinsky back to... Karl Marx, and you can trace that back to the Frenchman we talked about a couple of months ago, of uh, Louis Saint-Just, uh, which is really amazing. That's Saint Justice in mm-hmm. English, but Louis Saint-Just was the driving power behind the uh, thwarted uh, French Revolution. That thought process has survived, and it's it's an evil thought process that we call socialism when we're being polite or. Communism, when we're 
you know, pulling the uh, the veil back to show you what you're really dealing with, and it's all mm. chicanery. That's the word of the day. Deception. Chicanery. There was another word that you used. You've oftentimes uh, used it, uh, and it's a Russian word. <laughs> Samstadt. There you go. Samstadt is what's going on right now, and this radio station is the center of Samstadt. Samstadt means you don't trust the uh, broken news at the top of the hour. Uh, you don't trust the uh, stuff that's coming over the uh, traditional networks at all. You trust the word of mouth that's coming from people you trust, and that's how news is generated and how it was generated and brought down the Soviet Union. We have begun in America, Samstadt, and this radio station is the center of Samstadt for Albuquerque. Uh, Dr. Summers, you also uh, notice we have changed. We're no longer with Fox News, and... Fox News can't be trusted any longer, so we've changed that. And USA Radio Networks, uh, they are very anti-mask and anti-vax. And on that note, let's talk a little, a little quote there for mask Nazis. Yeah, the mask Nazis, uh, Franz Kafka uh, brilliantly put in. I'm going to repeat this twice because you got to think about what's being said here. And think about uh, our uh, governess and her position on masks. And Kafka said, it's only because of their stupidity that they're able to be so sure of themselves. I'm going to go over that one once again. It's only because of their stupidity that they're able to be so sure of themselves. So the more confident a person is in their position, frequently it means the stupider they are and the less thought out they are. Let's remember, in these troubled times, fear is a reaction. But courage is a decision. And the purpose of the show, Dr. Summers, is? Hey, folks, we're here to educate and empower you, the listener, in your health and really other things, I'm afraid. Well, you can pick up Memory Revitalizer and Life Imagine at local stores, including Share Care Pharmacy in Blend, Durand Central Pharmacy, Sam's Regent Pharmacy, Highland Pharmacy, Best Buy Pharmacy, Manol Pharmacy, Evergreen Herbal Market in Rio Rancho, out of the Moses Country Store. At Village Apothecary in Cedar Crest, you can go to Care Drug in Aztec, New Mexico, in the northeast, uh, or northwest, excuse me, Sierra Blanca Pharmacy in Ruidoso, down in the southeast, or you can go online to memoryvitalizer.net. That's memoryvitalizer.net, lifelink.com, or for a free gift, you can order direct. 800 606 That's 800 606 Let's talk about climate change. They're suggesting that this is a health issue, too. Yeah, and I want to talk about facts, not emotions. <clears throat> Frankly, the uh, climate change that Joe Biden and, uh, you know, occasional cortex talk about is emotions. But how about the facts? And let me go back to the summer of 1971. There was a guy by the name of Mike Vohers, and he was, you know, digging around as an archaeologist in the fossil beds in Nebraska, through 10 feet of ash, and he found scores of rhinoceroses in Nebraska, zebras, saber-toothed deer. Who had ever heard of it? I didn't know there was such a thing. Camels. They were all buried under 10 feet of volcanic ash in the plains of Nebraska without a single mountain in sight. If you've been to Nebraska, it's flat as a pancake. And there are no mountains to be delivering this ash as far as we know. Now, a funny thing is he started, you know, taking those samples, analyzing them closely, and he found a match on the plains of southwest Idaho. And that made a curious thing. Um, 
And he started finding that ash showing up in other places, in Montana and in even Missouri. And it was really weird. But let's talk about volcanoes in general. Everybody thinks of the classic Hawaiian volcano that suddenly vomits lava. And it's a nice cone-shaped little mountain. And that brings us to Mount St. Helens. And we start realizing volcanoes have a life of their own. They behave in peculiar ways. And if you remember back uh, to Mount St. Helens, you know, we believe that uh, volcanoes are involved in mountain building or mountain destruction. In the case of Mount St. Helens, a local geologist said, oh, my God, look at it. There's a bubble forming on the side of the mountain, <laughs> bulging out. Maybe I should touch it. And everybody uh, said, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. That's from the big places like Caltech. They told him he didn't know what he's talking about. But a few days later... Mount St. Helens blew out from the side, not the top. And when it blew out, it blew out literally the north side of the mountain collapsed with the force of 500 Hiroshima-sized atomic bombs all at the same time. And the rock uh, sped away from the mountain at a speed of 650 miles per hour. It killed in that really remote region of Washington State 57 people in seconds. Now let's move forward to the 1960s. We had satellites mapping out the United States. And a geologist by the name of Bob Christensen uh, looked at photographs of Yellowstone National Park. And he started looking and he go, my gosh, that looks familiar. My and he realized that the 2.2 million acres of Yellowstone National Park is the top of a cauldron. That is to say, the whole of Yellowstone National Park is the top of a volcano. Yellowstone National Park is a volcano, a super volcano. It is a thin crust gently laid upon 125 miles of bubbling, liquid, unstable, molten rock. And it's this molten rock beneath Yellowstone that powers the geysers, the hot springs, and the popping mud pots. It's the equivalent of having nitroglycerin, uh, you know, TNT, the size of Rhode Island, but eight miles deep of explosives sitting there waiting to go off. Wow. It that's, is, that, that's bigger than anything man can actually, you know, that's bigger than uh, an atomic bomb. Yeah, and over the past 40 years, we've covered, come to understand that Yellowstone goes off on a rhythm, about every 600,000 years, there is a sudden, massive, paroxysmal blast out of Yellowstone that basically darkens the planet. And that the ash that was found back in 1972 in Nebraska actually came from Yellowstone National Park. And that when the last Yellowstone eruption occurred 640,000 years ago. Uh-oh. Yeah, we're overdue. 10,000 10, <laughs> years. Yeah, we're overdue for another Yellowstone explosion because it goes off every 6, uh, 600,000 years. And we're now at 640,000 since well, the want, last blast. Is, is it a bad thing if I say I want it to hurry up just because I want to see it? Yeah, it could. Now, the last <laughs> time it did, there is a mountain range up there called the Gallatin Mountain Range. 
And today it's 10 mountains over 10,000 feet that go along on the northwest corner of Yellowstone National Park. But if you look at the mountain chain, there's a gap of 60 miles. What happened Uh in the gap? There should have been three or four mountains in that 60-mile gap. And the answer is 640,000 years ago, those mountains were vaporized by the supervolcano called Yellowstone, blasted into the air, and it covered 19 western states from, frankly, Minnesota to Washington State, from uh, Montana, probably down to the uh, northern part of the state of New Mexico. We're just about at a safe range from Yellowstone. All right. Where we're sitting. Well, I'll put on my goggles when that thing takes <laughs> yeah. off. And it turns out the Yellowstone is an active volcano. It isn't dormant. In fact, in 1973, there was a lake in the center of Yellowstone called uh, Yellowstone Lake. Mm-hmm. It suddenly began draining on the south side of the lake. And when they said, well, how could that be? They went and they found the north side of the lake had a bulge that lifted the lake up like, you know, like it was a bowl and just lifted the thing up and started to drain it. And uh, that happened in 1973. In 1985, the bulge suddenly sank by three inches in a matter of a week or so. And now that bulge at the north end of the lake is beginning to rise again. We're getting warning signs. And, you know, some of the geysers, Old Faithful, there's uh, several others that have stopped or began erupting again or changed and. Yellowstone averages a little over 1,200 earthquakes per year. Wow. Okay, so it's busy. Yeah, some of them are. I'm not feeling them. Are we far enough away? Yeah, no, we can't. Okay, good. Yeah, but when that I'm more worried about earthquakes right now. When that baby blows, we're going to have a global volcanic winter. And I mean, because you have to remember, 50% of the grain grown on the planet is grown in the area where the last blast covered with 10 feet of ash. Hmm. And they basically vaporized three or four mountains and spread it out over 19 states. So when uh, we're drinking beer, some good hops, good wheat, yeah. stuff like that, you yeah. telling me I'm just uh, drinking some good volcano? And I'm telling you that Yellowstone's, uh, when it goes, it won't be with the authorization of the uh, Fauci Central Planners. <laughs> Do you like that, the Faucian <laughs> central planners? The, the government's going to uh, let uh, let Mother Nature know when it can go ahead and uh, blast. So well, what what can we do here? I don't know. I mean, certainly you don't want to send money to Dementia Joe or Alexandria Occasional Cortex. Do you think they know what a volcano is? They have no idea. I mean, hmm. she's clueless. I mean, yeah. she truly is. She was hanging outside. How about that marathon run by... Uh, Kevin McCarthy, eight hours on the floor. He beat the record, and uh, outside, all AOC could do was sit there and say he's talking about nothing. Eight hours so he could try to trip up that $1.7 trillion uh, bedlam bill. It's I think it's all about bankruptcy. Oh, what was Somebody said bankruptcy. I don't, I don't even know. Borrowing. The Great Reset. Yeah, yes. the Great Reset. So they say build back better, and they said no, no, no. Going broke and build and, back Biden. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> build back Biden. That ain't better. He's broken. <laughs> yeah. So Kevin McCarthy went until four in the morning. Yeah. So I mean, uh, we've had leaders in the past, such as Ronald Reagan, saying this nation need, needs revival. I've said it from this microphone several times. 
these uh, Yellowstone is a God event. It is not a Central Committee event. And I think we need revival in this country. So I uh, strongly support folks this weekend get to church because the reckoning is coming. And now, Eddie, there are 30 active supervolcanoes in the planet. Almost all of them are oceanic. The only one that is on the surface is Yellowstone. Iceland, for example, is basically a supervolcano. Hawaii is a supervolcano. The Canary Islands are a supervolcano. Even the Galapagos Islands are a supervolcano. But uh, basically, I want to move on. Let's do a health hack that's volcanic. Let's go ahead and hit one. How about it? (laughs) All right. Recently in the news, mercury poisoning found in 5,000-year-old human bones uncovered in Spain and Portugal. Poisonous natural elements seen in the remains of 370 people. This article out of the Daily Mail, my great science journal that I depend upon. For the, the very for best, show. by the way. Yes. And what they did was they went around in Spain and Portugal, and they went to 300 or 50 different tombs, 23 different archaeological sites, and they exhumed 370 individuals and analyzed them for mercury in their bones. Mercury in their bones. Mercury, as we know, is toxic to humans. And in fact, it's one of the causes of uh, sudden Alzheimer's. Mercury uh, gives you uh, toxicity in the central nervous system for that, for all intents and purposes, is instantly the same as Alzheimer's. Now, these archaeological sites are from a period of time about 3,000 years ago. Okay, at the uh, end of the Neolithic Age, I had to look that one up. The Neolithic Age is 12,000 years ago to 3,500 years ago. To put that in context, 3,500 years ago is when Father Abraham was uh, wandering around the the plains of uh, uh, modern-day Israel. So the beginning of the biblical times, if you will. So uh, at that time, over in Spain and Portugal, these people were doing rituals with a mercury-containing substance called cinnabar, which is mercury sulfide. And what they would do, apparently, is paint their bodies, use it for makeup, use it in religious uh, uh, rituals. And where do you find uh, cinnabar? You find it in thermal and volcanic areas. So we're back to the volcanic connection here. (laughs) It's all volcanic. you got to stay away from volcanoes. Let me give you one little more tidbit here on volcanoes. In 1777, Ben Franklin was taking a sailboat uh, from the United States to France to represent us uh, in the court there. And he was sailing by Iceland, and a huge volcanic eruption occurred that summer. And Franklin observed that the winds in general were westward and there was a lot of crud in the air. And he predicted that there would be problems uh, with lungs in uh, Europe. Mm -hmm. And indeed, they exhumed people who were buried in 1777, 78, and uh, towards the end of the uh, 1700s in both England and in France, and found that many of them had premature deaths from poisoning with sodium fluoride that came from the ash 
of the volcano that exploded in Iceland when Ben Franklin was sailing by. Wow. So the moral of the story here, folks, is stay away from stay away from volcanoes. The black lung. That's it. The, 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 the non-existent <clears throat> lung. By the way, folks, you can get a memory vitalizer and your life imagine at local stores, including Sharon Care Pharmacy in Berlin. Durant Central Pharmacy, Sam's Regent Pharmacy, Highland Pharmacy, Best Buy Pharmacy, Manal Pharmacy, Evergreen Herbal Market, Rio Rancho, Moses Country Store on 4th Street, the Village Apothecary in Cedar Crest. You can go to Care Drug and Aztec, Sierra Blanca Pharmacy in Rio Doso, MemoryVitalizer.net, LifeLink.com, Dr. Summers, or order direct for a nice gift at 800-606-0192. That's 800-606-0192. Dr. Summers, you've uh, sent me the follow figurine a couple of times. I think that you have... uh, suggested that I could be prone to depression uh, because of my history. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we're human beings, and it's, it's something that we <laughs> all need to just address from one uh, angle or another. But let's get into some health hacks. This diagram is very helpful, and people should pay attention to it. And uh, let's talk about major depressive disorder. Yeah. Now, I was blessed in my life to uh, get to know a dream team in psychiatry, starting with my chairman, Eli Robbins. Eli Robbins was a brilliant young professor at Harvard who didn't see psychiatrists. He was trained mostly in neurology, but he saw psychiatry in a different way than his colleagues who, you know, pointed back to Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud felt he could talk schizophrenics out of hearing voices and depressives out of being suicidal, uh, or at least that's what the Freudians thought. But Eli Robbins had a different take on the world, and he got together a team at Washington University, which was the dream team of psychiatry. And I'm going to name a few names of guys I knew that taught me. And I was privileged enough to have known and be able to sit down in a room and trade ideas. And Eli was one of them. Uh, Eli regrettably uh, had multiple sclerosis and ended up in a wheelchair, but he was incredible. He was like this huge brain in a wheelchair that just incisively cut through the crap and could get to the nub of an issue. Uh, Amazing, amazing mind. But Eli looked at the brain and he said, look, the brain is two pounds. It burns Probably 30% of the energy, when you're sitting there playing with your computer, you're burning a tremendous amount of energy because your brain is at work. This two-pound organ um, actually runs everything in the body, but it's just an organ. It's no different than a heart, which is an organ, or a kidney, or a liver. There are only a certain number of ways that a liver can go rogue on you, and there are only a certain number of ways that a heart can go bad on you. And by the same token, he reasoned that the brain as an organ could only misfire in a certain number of ways. And so he said, well, what would be the criteria that something was actually a pathology of the brain, something intrinsic to the brain that meant it wasn't you know, firing on all... Uh, six cylinders. Mm-hmm. And so he said, well, it would be a chemical problem because the brain is basically a two-pound sack of chemicals that are interacting, and, and if they interact in a bad way, you would get a syndrome that you could identify reproducibly. And how you would do that is you would get a bunch of psychiatrists in a room and say, is there a thing called depression? 
Now, we've all had a rough bump in the road. That's part of living. And so every rough bump, a divorce or, a, you know, a job failure or just about anything that's a thing in life that gives us a little hiccup, is that really depression? And uh, Eli said, no, it's got to be more than just getting fired from a job that you liked. It's got to be something that has duration because everybody, if you get fired, you get a little down like Rush did after he got fired, what, seven times? Yeah, at least. Yeah, it's, it's got to be uh, something that you, you, know, you feel like a, it was a gut punch, but you move on. And so what makes depression, clinical depression, different? And so he would sit down with expert psychiatrists, get them to agree what are the symptoms of what is a depressed person. And then he pulled a mathematical trick because Eli thought like a mathematician. He had this precise mind. And what he said was, look, if we take uh, probability statistics and if we put together a group of symptoms that occur and 90% of the psychiatrists agree that it occurs with this syndrome, and we put five of those symptoms together, statistically we have a 100% chance we can identify a thing called depression, or for that matter, mania, or for that matter, schizophrenia. And so he looked at the symptoms, which is, of course, what the brain does. The brain controls behavior. So he said, what we'll do is we will pick eight different symptoms, and if five of these ring the bell, statistically we're at 100%, we're looking at a clinically depressed person, and when we look at those people and we run the genetics, we find out that there is an inheritance pattern, that it is a genetic illness. Well, if it's genetic, Eddie, it's got to be chemical, because what do genes do? The command, the chemistry of the body. Mm -hmm. All right, so what he put together and, and with a group of people, including Sam Guzay, my model, and George Winokur and Paula Clayton, who worked here in uh, New Mexico for a while, and Bob Woodruff, what they did was they put together eight symptoms, and if five of the eight occur in the same person for a period longer than one month, it is clinical biochemical depression. It isn't due to a job or a change or a bad marriage or God knows. Mm -hmm. And those five symptoms I had uh, when I was teaching at the University of Southern California, which we call the University of Spoiled Children. But anyway, when I was at USC, I had the art department put together this rather abrasive uh, cartoon that you're looking at. And if you look at it, it embeds on your mind because it's it's a little bit ugly. Yeah. And it's just got this guy with a little knife to his chest, and he's just looking sad as can be, and he's looking a little anemic and thin. And we start the symptoms actually with sleep disturbance. That is a major, major symptom in depression. After the sleep disturbance, strangely, you have trouble concentrating. Well, folks, if you're not getting rest at night, you're going to have trouble concentrating. And that is then followed by fatigue. If you don't get your rest at night, guess what? You're going to be tired all the time, and you're going to feel anemic. But here's the symptom that comes along with that is there's a change in appetite. Now, it's weird. It's a little different. Most people with depression they aren't interested in food. They could care less, and so they tend to lose up to 10% of body weight. 
But there's some people who have high anxiety depression, and those people, they go to the refrigerator, they look at the jello, they eat the jello, they go through that to the uh, chocolate pudding, then on to the cherry pie, and of course they've got to put a quart of ice cream on top of that because they think that if they can eat their way to feeling better, those people will actually gain weight with a depressive episode. So you have a change of appetite. It can be appetite up, weight up, or appetite down, weight down. But that's a major symptom of depression. Isn't that weird? Your stomach is. is involved. Yeah. Now, next comes, and uh, well, we also the, know that from the stomach comes a lot of other disorders. Absolutely. Um, so we've talked about that in so many of your programs, where everything starts right in the stomach, right in the pit of your stomach. Yeah. Now, I put in the cartoon a fig leaf over the genital area and pointed a little arrow to it and put the word ahedonia. Well, what is a hedonist? The hedonist is a pleasure seeker. Ahedonic means nothing brings you pleasure. And the way I demonstrate that to people is not just about sex. Uh, it could be that you used to love to read the newspaper and uh, now you just don't care. Or let's say your big uh, thing in life is going bowling on Thursday nights. Now you just don't care about bowling. So you become ahedonic or dishedonic, things that used to bring you pleasure and no longer bring you pleasure. So that's symptom number seven of the eight. Number nine is you feel worthless. You feel uh deflated, you feel as if you have no purpose in life, and you feel depressed, sad, blue, down the dumps, a dozen different ways to put it. And finally, it turns out that uh, depression comes in two flavors. Ooh. Flavor number Chocolate one. Chocolate and vanilla? <laughs> yes, just about. The uh, retarded depression is the Mary Todd Lincoln form of depression where you put oh your hand to your forehead and you say, tell Mr. Lincoln that I have taken the vapors and I shall retire to my room and do not disturb me. Oh my God. A retarded depression is a person who retreats from the world and uh, doesn't want to be bothered. They uh, order Chinese and uh, leave it at the door because they just aren't interested in eating. That's a retarded depression. But the other form of depression is the agitated depression. These mm. are the people who are just filled with high anxiety, they're pacing around, they're, you know, uh, restless as can be, and uh, they're burning off energy just walking around in a room. And so uh, that's an agitated depression. And uh, finally, the eighth symptom is suicidality, because it turns out that succe successful suicide, that is one where you actually kill yourself, Better than 90% of the time, they will fill the criteria for depression. People who aren't depressed manage to not kill themselves. Actual uh, depressed people are the ones who truly kill themselves. So, Dr. Summers, with that being said, the suicide hotline that many people claim, and especially during the holidays and we're going into the shorter times and things like that, is feeling like you think you're depressed actual depression then no it isn't what has to happen is you have to have five out of these eight symptoms and we need to repeat it sleep disturbance poor concentration loss of energy lack of appetite lack of interest ahedonia a lack of uh, things bringing you pleasure a sense of worthlessness or depression 
either retardation or agitation, and suicidality. Five of the eight symptoms have to go on for more than one month, and if you do that, you have a biochemical depression, and the good news is we have a bunch of medicine that will help you fix that problem. And when you look through the family history of a person with that syndrome, you will find one out of four of their relatives will have seen a psychiatrist, ended up in a, in a psychiatric hospital, attempted suicide, actually committed suicide. That's the pattern, one in four of your cousins, of your Aunt Tizzy, crazy uh, Uncle Charlie. Uh, it, it shows up, pops up in the family history. And it is uh, the cartoon is most helpful because it's easy to memorize. It's just uh, we, I wish we had a website we could put it up on. Well, I think we can blast it out with uh, maybe our rockoftalk.chat and take your notes here and maybe somehow share them if that'd be okay. Sure, uh, is absolutely. Is that okay? Just do a blast. I oh, think uh, Dowd I know is listening right now, so I think this would be helpful to maybe scan this in and, and get that information out, out there. A lot of other information uh, here, but uh, by all means, uh, if you're going to call the suicide hotline, helpline, it might be better for you to kind of do a little self-diagnosis before you create more panic. Exactly. I think, that's, I think that's an important thing. And suicidality is uh, really, they we're trying to study it more these days, but the people who meet criteria for depression are the ones you truly, honestly have to worry about. There are the drama queens who just need a little bit of attention who call the suicide hotlines. Uh, but uh, if they actually kill themselves, it's a miscalculation. You know, Dr. Summers, I recently went uh, to a call at about 11.30 at night uh, a couple of Thursdays ago where a man was standing atop a bridge, and uh, he was about to jump. But I would have to say that it never occurred to me one time that he was ever going to jump. Yeah, uh, and I've taken a, a few, I mean, over my career, you know, I try to, when I'm talking to somebody who explains they're suicidal, I gently try to get these questions and see if they have the five of eight syndrome. Mm. If they do, I've got to figure out how to get them off the ledge. Let's, uh, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, so to speak. Uh, by the way, we're here, Dr. William Summers. This is Life Imagine Radio for this Saturday, November the 20th. How about some more health hacks? Health benefits of something called fenugreek. Not not sure I'm familiar with it. It might be the first time I've heard about this. And uh, what, what is it? Fenugreek is a uh, it's a spice. It's like a little nut. Now it has leaves as well, but the little nut uh, you grind it up into a powder, and it becomes a spice that you can use in uh, soups. You can use the uh, leaves in salads, etc. Uh, and uh, in India, fenugreek is called methi. And so you'll see fenugreek used in Indian uh, cooking as well. But it is the secret ingredient of Jewish penicillin, which is Jewish uh, chicken noodle soup, that magnificent taste. If you get Jewish uh, uh, chicken noodle soup from a real Jewish deli, uh, that smell, that odor, that's fenugreek. It opens up your sinuses. It turns out that it's an antiseptic. It kills uh, you know, like oil of oregano, it will kill, you know, rogue viruses, uh, rogue bacteria, and probably even bad funguses. 
So uh, fenugreek itself can be used in many, many different ways. Uh, it turns out that it's high in iron, so it's good for anemia, especially in women who have heavy periods. Uh, it can be used for dandruff. You can uh, make a mixture of fenugreek, uh, and you put it together with a half of a lemon squeezed into it, uh, and first you take the seeds, soak them overnight, grind them up, put in half of a lemon, apply it to your scalp for 20, 30 minutes, rinse it off. Your dandruff problems are solved. There it is. No more uh, no more head and shoulders or Selsun Blue, Dr. Summers. There yeah, you go. Selsun Blue is, uh, incidentally, very high in selenium. And yeah, use people it. React to, when people react to Selsun Blue, there is an allergy to it. Uh, you got to pay attention to that. Yeah, I use it for something called tinea versicolor. Yeah. It, but it, you actually prescribed something to me sometime that was actually better for tinea, and I took it orally. Do you recall? No, I don't, quite frankly. Yeah. It must have been a while ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. But, uh, yeah, and it just, my, everything just disappeared. Okay. Now, other uses uh, for fenugreek, it's good for breast health. Uh, for milking mothers, uh, it is very good, but for... Uh, ladies who are not well endowed, the rumor is that if you uh, add fenugreek to your diet, it uh, Dolly Parton's you. Is is that a polite way of saying it? <laughs> Dolly Who's <Parton's> that? You. <laughs> fenugreek, what Dolly Parton. What are you trying to say, Dr. Summers? <laughs> well, we'll just let that one oh, slide we'll, on. we'll let it slide. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. Anyway, uh, it's also helpful for diabetics. It turns out that it blocks the absorption of uh, sugar from the gut. Ooh, and there you so go. So diabetic patients uh, would be been would benefit to adding fenugreek to your diet. It helps balance the sugar levels. And for those folks who have uh, problems with halitosis, that's uh, bad breath, foul smell from the mouth. It turns out you can make an herbal tea of fenugreek, and it solves that because as you swish it around in your mouth as a uh, uh, you know as a tea. It takes care of that gum decay, the the uh, fabled gingivitis that makes the dental industry so tickled. It actually helps reduce dental cavities. Isn't that amazing? And it also sort of cleans up halitosis if it comes from the stomach or from the esophagus, from chronic uh, candidiasis and infections down there. So that's fenugreek. Now, the digestive system itself is benefited throughout by fenugreek. Uh, in fact, uh, they feel it has some anti-cancer uh, value. And it also straightens out the secretions coming out of the liver, the gallbladder. It supposedly solves problems with flatulence. Huh. Flatulence. This is like the cure-all, isn't it? Yeah, well, we have so this many is, cure-alls. Uh, yeah, this is the, the, <laughs> the, the relationship builder. There you go. Yeah, now flatulence uh, that uh, you know makes you lose friends is probably because you got to Remember, every one of us has 350 different species of bacteria in our bowels, in our colons. And, uh, Eddie, your 350 are different than my 350, uh, which are different than Eric's 350. We have our own personal set of 350 different bugs in our uh, bowel, and the fenugreek straightens it out to where the ones causing the bad flatulence uh, apparently behave. And uh, the fenugreek is helpful in that, uh, so I'm told. 
So uh, uh, I do have one thing to say. So do you want if you want to know a type of drink that causes bad breath, just to go back, I was just looking it up just to verify it. But someone told me that if you drink wine, or excuse me, if you drink uh, brown spirits, hard spirits, or brown you drink spirits. beer, yeah, like whiskey beer. and all that kind of stuff, yeah. um, the, there's really like there's only two things that you can drink that don't give you bad breath that have alcohol in it. One is gin, and the other one is wine. So I don't understand that, but I thought that that was interesting. Okay. Coffee well, gives you bad breath, as we all know. Yes, it can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, coffee breath. So there you go. it must be a way of sneaking some fenugreek in our coffee. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's the answer. Uh, now, it's also good for sore throats. Huh. Uh, you can make, uh, if you have fenugreek tea, you can gargle with it, and it helps out with sore throats. But here's the other thing is it helps with body odor in general, and uh, you'll find online ways to make a scrub with fenugreek in it. And you just use it as part of your bathing, and it takes care of bad body odor. Now, finally, uh, of course, it does, as uh, so many things, it can actually lower cholesterol for those people who care about cholesterol. And as the listeners know, I'm not a big uh, anti-cholesterol guy. I find cholesterol a, a fundamental chemical in the body that people should not declare war against. You should embrace it. But uh, it does tend to lower, if you take a lot of fenugreek in your diet, it will lower cholesterol and presumably balance it by increasing the HDL and decreasing the LDL. Okay. Yeah, let's move on. Fenugreek may trigger a number of side effects, such as diarrhea, dizziness. That's if you overdo it. and, And gas. In addition, the use of large doses may lead to a reduction in blood sugar levels. Therefore, taking it in combination with diabetes medication may have harmful effects. I have one thing to ask you, Dr. Summers, but I find myself not wanting to drink orange juice anymore because I'm immediately almost lightheaded the moment I take it. Yeah, it's sugar. It's a pure shot of sugar. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay, so I've kind of slowed down uh, on that. All right, so history you are not supposed to know. Don't forget, uh, folks, you can get your memory revitalizer and your life imagined at local stores, including Sharon Care Pharmacy in Blender and Central Pharmacy, Sam's Regent Pharmacy, Highland Pharmacy, Best Buy Pharmacy, Manal Pharmacy, Evergreen Herbal Market in Rio Rancho, Moses Country Store on 4th Street, Bills of Bothgary in Cedar Crest. You can go to Care Drug in Aztec, Sierra Blanca Pharmacy in Rio Doso. How about online? MemoryVitalizer.net. That's MemoryVitalizer.net or LifeLink.com or order direct. 800 606 0192. That's 800-606-0192. Here goes Dr. Summers introducing us into some uh, new literature. Fox's Book of the Martyrs. Fox's Book of the Martyrs. If you went into a typical American household in 1850, just before the American Civil War, you would have two books. First would be the Bible. We were a biblical nation in those days. The other book you would see is Fox's Book of Martyrs. Now, the, this uh, actually came out of the Reformation. Remember, in 1517, Martin Luther, on uh, Halloween Eve, tacked the 95 theses on the door of his church, which is basically a bulletin board of the day, and that ultimately became a challenge to the Pope and the entire institute called Catholicism and was the beginning of 
Protestantism. Protestantism had a rough birth. A lot of people, as it turns out, were burned at the stake or murdered in the name of they weren't quite good enough Catholics. They had become Protestants, and so therefore they were publicly murdered. And Fox's Book of the Martyrs actually documented all of that. The book was conceived of by John Fox, who strangely was born in Boston. John Fox, 1563, born in Boston. Uh, well, it turns out there's a thing called Boston, England. It's just a little bit north oh, of London. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, it's I was trying the, to figure that out. Yeah, it's on the east coast of uh, of England in Lincolnshire. Uh, and so John Fox came from Boston, England. And uh, he started this thing, but it was actually published by a guy by the name of John Day. And what it did was it gave an account of sufferings of the Protestants from the Catholic Church, particularly in England and Scotland. The book was highly read and very influential in British politics and also here in America. And it shaped the popular notion uh, that was anti-Catholic, really, even to this day. There have been so many editions of Fox's uh, book of the martyrs uh, that the latest one is actually from two, uh, 2019. It continues on. It now is like a 15,000-page book. You can find it on the Internet. When it was first published in 1563, uh, it uh, had 60 different distinct woodcut impressions showing people being garroted, uh, drawn and quartered, burned at the stake, etc., etc. And it was published uh, very early on in the reign of Elizabeth I, and five years after the death of Bloody Mary, uh, Queen of Scots. Uh, and uh, it uh, became actually a very big part of the English Reformation. And Today, if you look it up on the Internet, it starts actually with the apostles of Jesus and one by one gives you an account of how they died, right down to John, the uh, the beloved. Uh, it's, it's a very uh, uplifting book. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, and frankly, it is. And it, it goes pope by pope by pope and goes into the missteps of Catholic popes. It goes uh, through John Wycliffe, uh, you know, it, it goes through the persecution of people uh, like John Huss, the London martyrs. It goes through the Spanish Inquisition. Wow. It, it, it really is an amazing book, and it has relevance today because basically Christianity today is the most persecuted religion on the planet. How are we doing on time? I, I mean, think I wax uh, eloquent here. <laughs> yeah, we got another uh, twelve minutes here. Honey. Oh, that's good. Yeah, well, let's get into some more health hacks. Uh, yeah. Um, D H E A. We've done this before, and it's one of my favorite things that you uh, like to say when we go D H E A because you like to say the word more than the acronym. <laughs> the actual word is dihydroepiandosterone, and it is a master hormone in the adrenal gland. And how it's made is fascinating to me. Uh, you take the typical uh, caveman wandering across the uh, plains of Albuquerque, uh, clubbing a saber-toothed tiger, bringing it home to the cave for his wife to uh, make into dinner. And uh, what happens is we eat during the day. Maybe we get an occasional uh, candy bar. 
And that food then goes to the liver and it gets converted to the evil chemical known as cholesterol. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Yeah, 90% of the cholesterol in your body, your liver makes it. It's not in your diet. And the cholesterol then hits the bloodstream, you know, during the daytime at the end of the day because we eat mostly during daylight hours or in the early evening. And it goes to the adrenal gland where the adrenal gland grabs it up and takes this evil cholesterol and turns it into pregnenolone. Pregnenolone then uh, modifies the molecule slightly to become DHEA, and that is the master hormone of the adrenal gland. Now, from that DHEA, if you look downstream, in women it becomes estrogen. It's converted into estrogen. In guys, it's converted to testosterone. Now, remember, this comes from cholesterol. So cholesterol is necessary to make testosterone. Cholesterol is necessary to make estrogen. But it also, the DHEA gets converted into progesterone. But here's the other dirty little secret. In the adrenal gland, the DHEA is then metabolized into cortisol. Well, that's your stress hormone. That's the fight-or-flight hormone. But now we have in our body basically salt, and the salt is at exactly the same content as ocean salt. So we have an internal uh, ocean in ourselves, uh, which is called the blood. And uh, the minerals in that blood are highly regulated by uh, aldosterone. Now, how do we make aldosterone? Well, it comes from DHEA, which comes from cholesterol. Uh, is this? Are we having some fun? Here? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, <laughs> progesterone, testosterone, aldosterone. It's all there. Yeah, it all it starts from cholesterol going to DHEA, the DHEA. Now, DHEA is a hormone in its own right. It has receptors many places in the body, most especially in the brain. In the brain, it, it modulates the number one neurotransmitter in the brain called GABA. That is modulated by DHEA. How, how effective is that? Well, there's actually literature showing people with this depression we were talking about earlier. You can use high doses of DHEA, around 200 milligrams a day, to actually treat clinical depression and have fair success with it. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. Well, since it's generating so much activity, maybe it's not so amazing. We should expect that. I know that you can get DHEA supplements, and I've seen them like at bodybuilding stores and things yeah. like that. Why would that be? Well, because a uh, principal uh, metabolite of DHEA, especially in men, is testosterone. Okay. And uh, oh, there you go. You get the uh, the strength, the virility. Yeah. Yeah. The positivity. Remember, and uh, more women are twice as depressed as men are. It's a percentage of the population. Yeah, exactly. And the uh, DHEA uh, in the periphery actually inhibits a thing called G6PD, uh, glucose 6-phosphodiesterase, and what that does is lower uh, an energy molecule called N. ADPH, and that actually downmodulates inflammation, downmodulates, so it's an anti-aging uh, effect from the DHEA. 
But the DHEA made in the adrenal glands, your peak performance there is at about age 15, and it starts going downhill from there. Huh. So it's been a long time since I've seen my, where is the people say, I want my MTV, I want my DHEA. Yeah. I should supplement with this. Yeah, well, I, I recommend it to most people, and that's one of the reasons I'm bringing it up on the show, because you lose between 1% to 5% of the production of DHEA with each passing year. And so by the time you hit 70, which I passed some time ago, you're making 10 to 15% of what you made at age 20. And uh, so you want to supplement that. Do now, you have that as part of... Memory revitalizer. No, no, it's it's not in memory revitalizer because it is a hormone. And uh, really it needs to be, uh, it's different males to females. Okay. Now the average male when you're around 20 is making 30 milligrams of DHEA a day. The average girl is making 20. But as we get older, because of absorption issues, etc., my usual prescription for women uh, especially uh, postmenopausal is 25, 10 to 25 milligrams of DHEA, and in the guys I usually go 50 to 100 milligrams of DHEA, but I'll alter it depending upon how well they absorb it. So we actually draw a blood level on that. And uh, what does the DHEA do? Uh, what do I want from it? Well, I want from it when you go to the gym to work out, your muscles actually grow. Now, a lot of people in their 60s, they go to the gym, they lift the uh, weights, et cetera, and nothing happens. Wow. So now we understand DHEA and its use in uh, modern bodybuilding or just strength. Yeah. And as a teenager, when you are uh, growing into maturity, it's responsible for pubic hair and underarm hair. Huh. You know, a symptom of DHEA lackness is uh, you're just not making underarm hair the way you used to when you were younger. Mm-hmm. But uh, where you see in a deficiency of DHEA, dry eyes, dry skin, fatigue, depression even, high anxiety, poor muscle mass, low sex drive, and guys, poor erections. Can I say that word? Okay. You just did. Oh, Sorry. And in the girl's low sexual satisfaction, uh, it means your DHEA isn't at good levels. Hmm. So, And the thing is, you're in control, folks. You can buy this over the counter. And I want to do a hat tip to uh, Utah's Senator Orrin Hatch. She's the one who allows you to go get your DHEA unencumbered by your FDA. Wow. Uh, it was included in a bill that I was uh, blessed enough to uh, lobby for, the Deshay Law of 1994. Mm-hmm. Deshay standing for the Dietary Supplement Education or uh, Health and uh, Education Act of 1994, signed by Bill Clinton and authored by uh, Orrin Hatch. And in there, he slipped a phrase that the FDA must keep its hands off of DHEA and not regulate it. And uh, that's the DHEA story for us today. Wow, good stuff. I'm going to pick some up. Uh, I think now is about the time for me to, to do a little bit of this. Yeah, start in, your, start in your 40s yeah. and uh, supplement it. And certainly by the time you get up in the 70s, you should be, uh, if you're a guy, 50 milligrams to 75, sometimes 100 milligrams. And in the gal's, 10 to 25 milligrams, 
but do a blood test, uh, and the blood test is D-H-E-A-S, meaning dihydroepiandosterone sulfate, which is the transport version of the molecule. All right, folks, that about does it for this edition. We'll miss out on some history, but we'll get to that next week. Uh, as always, uh, this purpose uh, of this show is to educate and empower you, the listener. We hope we have, and we will remember want to tell you, remember, fear is a reaction. Courage is a decision. And you can pick up your memory revitalizer and life imagine at local stores, including Sharon Care Pharmacy, Grand Central Pharmacy, Sam's Region Pharmacy, Highland Pharmacy, Best Buy Pharmacy, Manal Pharmacy, Evergreen Herbal Market, Moses Country Store, and the Village of Hopkiri in Cedar Crest. Or you can go online at memoryvitalizer.net, lifelink.com, or order direct at 800-606-0192. Thank you for preparing yet another great show, Dr. Summers. As always, best way to support our radio station is support the people who give you great information like Dr. Summers and help him stay in business. You guys have filled up his uh, his doctor's office, and that's awesome. But why not take all those uh, memory vitalizer bottles off the shelves for us? So we'd love to see that happen. See you same time, same place next week. Stay tuned. Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria is next. Go.